From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we are at the end of the greatest night in sports, Super Bowl Sunday. We start in Glendale to recap Super Bowl 57, look back at some prop bets, and look ahead to Super Bowl 58. After that, we head back home to talk Cavs and other legends in the land. We close the show, heading off the field to talk love on the eve of Valentine's Day. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Denko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, are you ready for football season to be over? Yes, but according to the commercial that I kept seeing tonight, we have a couple months <laughs> until the USFL starts, and they keep telling me that's real football. So, uh, I could, yeah, I could use a break, though. I could use a break from football. We might have an even shorter break before the XFL starts. Yeah. They're just not advertising oh, it on Fox. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, no, I'm not over football. I'm going to miss it. I wait so long for it, it feels like, and I have such great expectations for what I think the season's going to be, and that doesn't go that way. But it was still a good playoff run and a great Super Bowl. So, I, like, it's part of me is happy to have Sundays back predominantly. But football's great, man. Like, it's the best. I agree. I, I'm going to miss it. Uh, but in some ways, I'm kind of glad that we, we get a break. And I guess the, the positive way of looking at it is that every day that goes by without football now gets us one day closer to the Browns making their first Super Bowl run in some time. But speaking of Super Bowls, <laughs> let's head out to Glendale, Arizona. Super Bowl 57 is in the books. Chiefs turn it around after a slow start and grab another world title with a 38-35 win over the Eagles. Scale of 1 to 5, 1 being paint drying on the wall, 5 being Christmas Eve for a 6-year-old. How exciting was the Super Bowl? It's a four and a half, only because of fives. It's hard to give out a perfect score. It was a really exciting game that swung back and forth and comes down basically to the last play. What could, what more could you ask for? So four and a half. Yeah, it's it's up there. You know, I, I'm trying to think of, of recent Super Bowls that were more exciting. That I'll, I'll give it a five, uh, although I have a six-year-old and I see how excited he is on Christmas Eve, and that's pretty flipping <laughs> excited. Yeah. I'll give it a five because the game was never, it was never lopsided either. You know, that that it was a close game. The entire time, the scoring started right from the beginning. It ended in kind of a weird way that was kind of anticlimactical to the way the, the game had gone up to that point. And I, and I guess if I really look at it, the second half was dominated by the Chiefs. I think they scored on every possession, but it made it, it, made it really exciting. Um, I was into it. And so, yeah, I, I think from an excitement level, we'll, we'll give it a five this week. I think I'm at a five, too. I, I don't know what else you look for in this game. There was a lot of scoring back and forth, some big defensive plays, but, you know, not enough. And it comes down to a field goal on what's essentially the last play of the game. And then the worst Hail Mary I've ever seen thrown in a football <laughs> game. So there was even some comedy mixed into it at the end of the game. That was pretty good. I thought for a second there they let me throw that pass. Bill kind of hit on it. And I think this might be, unfortunately, what – the storyline could be coming out of this game. But what did you think of the holding call late in the game on the Eagles down inside the five? The way that game was going, I would have, I would have liked them to kept that flag in their pocket, given the part of the game, because I think the chiefs still line up and kick a field goal and go ahead. But I think what we see there is the Eagles with a couple minutes on the clock to make it a really exciting end of the game. So from a, 
from a perspective that I, I really didn't have a dog in the fight other than, you know, maybe our goose winning a Super Bowl. But I, I think that would have been better to see. And in that moment, it seemed ticky tack to me. But I think the Chiefs would have got those three points either way. It just would have changed the way the Eagles could have come up with something toward the end, I guess. Next to the Browns fan base, I don't know if there's a crazier conspiracy. I love where theory, this is going. Yeah. <laughs> a group of people other than Eagle fans. So, I mean, for me, I have friends who are Eagle fans. I'm interested to see how upset or nuclear, like mad they could be from this. So, uh, obviously, you don't like that ticky tacky, but shit happens, man. And, and I'm, I guess I didn't see anything really super wrong with it because I've seen plenty of penalties that were or should have been called for the Browns or against the Browns. I didn't think either. So it's just part of the game. It sucks that it was defining possibly for the Super Bowl, but it feels right. They would have kicked that three, but the Eagles would have just had more time. I think the Eagles would have had almost two minutes. I think so. And maybe still, maybe at least one time out yep. still to work with. So they definitely could have done something, but I'll tell you, it, it looked to me at the very beginning of the route, there was absolutely like a grab and a hold. And then he has his hand on him again when there's like another part of his move and he's heading out. And so I think it's a legit call. It sucks that it happens late in the game like that, but it doesn't make it a bad call as much as I understand how frustrating that can be for Eagles fans. And I guess you're absolutely right. Like if we were Browns fans, we'd be flipping our shit about that call rather than looking at the scope of the game as a whole and some of the other problems that maybe led to the (laughs) loss. But I didn't think it was a bad call. Obviously sucks that it happens there. So uh, what what is the central storyline of this game other than the holding call? The one that really sums up the entire thing. Maybe that uh, experience is your best teacher. You saw a team that's looked like it's been there before and never panics and completely made adjustments or whatever at halftime to come out and dominate that second half. I'm not saying the stage was too big for the Eagles but a team that you know is always going to be in a game no matter what, and then they just pour it on. I think the storyline is we got the two best teams in the NFL in the Super Bowl this year, which is what we hope to see if it can't be our team. And I think Chuck's right. Like I think what happened is you had the two best teams and the team with the better of the two really good quarterbacks and the more experienced of the two really good quarterbacks, someone who's been on this stage before, came out ahead. I really felt like going into that locker room at halftime, it was going the other way. Like I felt like Philadelphia had the momentum. Mahomes gets hurt and the I'm like, oh, the Chiefs are going to struggle in the second half. Good thing I couldn't bet and or I didn't bet at the second half of the, of the game because <laughs> it went the other way. I mean, it. you're right, Chuck. Their experience really showed out in that third and fourth quarter. My thought was that this is the most even Steven matchup we could have had. We touched on this a little bit in the episode where we previewed the Super Bowl last week. These teams were really similar. Good offenses, pretty good defenses, but not perfect. Good quarterbacks. And in the end, you know, the the Chiefs are just a little bit better or at least were better equipped to handle the second half of a Super Bowl. Do you think the Sirianni crying meme is going to overtake the MJ crying meme as the go-to crying meme on social media? (laughs) It's really good, man. (laughs) You pulled that out. He's actually from like a half an hour from here, from Erie. He's from Jamestown, New York, uh, and went to Mount Union. Yep. So um, I don't mind the guy, but there's something wrong with he cried during the national anthem. I'm not yeah. criticizing him. No, I just, I, but yeah. it's going to be yeah, a yeah. hilarious meme, right? I think, yeah, it was like an ugly cry too, <laughs> where Jordan's just looks really like out of focus. You might use that like phone they had to do the blurring, but 
I don't know if it ever replaces the Jordan one, uh, but maybe for the next couple months, you'll see an, an uptick in exposure to it. I think the Sirianni crying meme takes over for a short period here, and then it just goes right back to the goat. He's the goat in all ways, and Jordan Jordan gets the crying meme crown again <laughs> uh, after we forget about the Super Bowl. I have a feeling Sirianni's taking over for good. He's younger. He's hipper. (laughs) People on social media love new things, and they're already starting to forget about Michael Jordan, I think. So I think this Sirianni crying meme, we could buy stock in that right now. would be a good idea. Were we wrong last week when we all pretty much agreed that the Eagles just had more weapons on offense? Because the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, and they had four different guys score touchdowns tonight. Are we ever wrong? Come on. (laughs) Were we wrong? (laughs) I don't think we were wrong in that sense, because I do think the Eagles have more weapons. They do. It's it's just, I don't think every weapon's created equal on the football field, right? So Patrick Mahomes' weapon is a big deal for the, the Kansas City Chiefs. And oh, let's not forget about Travis Kelsey either. Pretty good weapon to have. And yep. this Isaiah Pacheco, he's a good young running back. That that dude has energy. So they have good weapons. And the Eagles do have better weapons in at the wide receiver. It just we mentioned it last week, I think. You 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 have the lesser of two good quarterbacks and you're probably at a disadvantage. No, we weren't wrong. The <laughs> Eagles definitely have more weapons. The difference is some of those play calls and schemes that came from Andy Reid, like that stop and go the other way on two touchdowns. I haven't seen that play watching many Browns games this year and many football games. There were just some really timely play calls and really good scheming that kind of made up for the talent differential, but Eagles still had more weapons. The chiefs maybe just know how to use theirs better. Yeah. It's hard to say, I guess I feel again, like it's even more even than I thought it was going into the game because the Eagles big time weapons just didn't really show up. I mean, everybody had a few plays, but nobody really dominated the game. And I guess maybe nobody from the Chiefs did either, but except for Mahomes. I don't know. I I have a feeling we underestimated the the value or maybe the utility of some of those Chiefs weapons. Looking back at this game, do you think the Chiefs were just a better team or did the Eagles let this one slip away? There was like a growing sentiment the past couple days going into this game that like the Eagles and you, you brought it up too. I think you're like, was this a really easy route to the Super Bowl? And I'm not taking anything away from them. They're a really good football team. I don't think they let it slip away that the chiefs are a more experienced team with a really great quarterback and not that Jalen hurts. What a game that did he have three rushing touchdowns? So I, I just think they're the chiefs are, are, are more complete team. Maybe when it comes to players and coaching staff, I don't know that I can say the Eagles let it slip away. I, I think it felt like they were going to take command, but it was only halfway through the game. And you're, you're playing against a Patrick Mahomes and and you, you can't stop playing. I, I did think that the way the Eagles were scoring on what we thought was an average at best Chiefs defense was going to bode poorly for the Chiefs as this game went on. But the Eagles defense couldn't stop Kansas City yeah. in that second half. So I think the difference is if they let it slip away, two mistakes, and I'll call them both mistakes, stick out in my mind giving up a defensive score to the Kansas city chiefs, it does not help your chances because that offense is going to score plenty. So giving up that defensive score and that turnover, and then that punt return where he got all the way down to the five, that was, that was a game changer right there. I don't know. I still, you said, you said it, it was so evenly matched. I don't think they let it slip away. This was a, 
this was a good heavyweight fight right up until the end. If they let it slip away, it, it started with not being able to convert a touchdown on that final possession of the first half. Instead of a field goal, if they get a touchdown there, this game is wide open at that point. They don't get that, and then the defense is just complete inability to stop the Chiefs at all in the second half. I mean, one stop wins you the Super Bowl, and they couldn't get one in the second half. And then a breakdown like that punt return just looks so much bigger even. It's a really good game. I can't say again that they were evenly matched. I'm going to sound like an idiot, but oh, they're pretty evenly matched. And, you know, <laughs> you know, it's a it's partially they let it slip away. It's partially the Chiefs just made the plays when they needed to, man. It's a fun game. That's a really good Super Bowl. That's a nice way to end the NFL season. Which team do you think is more likely to be back in the Super Bowl next year? Eagles or Chiefs? I'm going to say the Eagles. The Chiefs are really good. I just think the Chiefs have a harder path in the AFC. So I'll say the Eagles between these two. Definitely Eagles, young, hopefully hungrier. They have playoff experience now. What's the face? Oh, I heard what you just said. It was a good thing for them that they lost this. Yeah. No. <laughs> it makes them hungry. Makes them hungry for next year. <laughs> that was a long time brewing for you to get me back. That's pretty great. Yeah, they're, they're just a really young team. And, and now they have more experience. And they're probably in a easier division, too, I would think, than the Chiefs. I mean, they're in the NFC East. So, I mean, there's a bunch of teams that made the playoffs this year, but they were all kind of lousy other than the Eagles. I think it's the Eagles, too, but I really do think it's the youth issue. I mean, they're just they're so young and Chiefs have been here for five years getting to this level. Like eventually that's got to catch up to them. So I I would say if there's one team more likely than the other to make it next year, I'm going to say it's the Eagles. All right, enough of talking about how those teams did in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about how we did in the Super Bowl. I came up with the idea this afternoon to raise some money for the show, and I doled out funds from the show's account to you guys and to me to make bets and hopefully make some money for the show. So, Phil, how did you do for the show? For the show, I placed two bets. I hit on one, Jalen Hurts throwing a pass over 37 and a half yards. So that... That turned our $10 into a sweet $20.40. Excellent. That's a 100% return. That's fantastic. <laughs> Which one did you lose? I lost the Miles Sanders two TDs. I, I, I don't even think he carried the ball twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't that strange? He wasn't around yeah, really yeah. at all no. during the game. All right, Chuck, how, how about you? How did you do? I made two bets uh, and kind of hedged them with the same player. I had uh, Goddard as an anytime touchdown scorer. That didn't happen. Uh, and then I had him as the MVP of the Super Bowl. That didn't happen either, uh, but they were really great odds. And you said, hey, we're making money for the show. So you, you got you to take your chance here. And that's the last time I put any money on Dick Goddard's grandson. <laughs> the thing is, though, he was all over the field. Yeah. Like, I thought for sure he was at least scoring a touchdown for them. I split my bets like Phil. I had Mahomes under... 37 and a half yards for his longest completion. And that one hit. I had Kelsey to score two touchdowns and that one did not hit. I think I made $9 for the show. So, and in the end, I actually lost a dollar for the show. <laughs> <laughs> the way that it All right. Well, as long as we're fantastic at gambling, why don't we move on to our bet stamp best bet of the week and fellas, it's not too soon to start looking ahead to super bowl 58 and Super Bowl 58 futures. Let's look at this year's Final Four. 
Bengals, Chiefs, 49ers, and Eagles. If you had to put money down for one of those teams to make the Super Bowl next year, who would it be? And for a little bit of context, and just to, if you're interested, the Browns are an enticing plus 4,000 on <laughs> DraftKings right now to yes. win next year's Super Bowl. So of the final four teams from last year, which one would you be interested in putting money on for next year's Super Bowl? Bengals, Chiefs, 49ers, or Eagles? I'd put it on the Eagles again. It's probably not the you know best return, but that's my choice of those four. All right, so if you were to hop on BetStamp right now and take a look, you would find a range of plus 500 to plus 550. Uh, mm -hmm. Your best odds, plus 550 for the Eagles to win next year's Super Bowl. Get the best odds with Caesars at plus 550. I would take the Niners to make the Super Bowl next year. You get healthy with one of your two quarterbacks. You have a full season with uh, McCafferty in your backfield, and you have the best defense in the NFL. So I feel pretty comfortable making that bet. So hop on BetStamp, check it out. The range is plus 450 to plus 500. Oh. Plus 500, your best odds on the 49ers next year would be on Barstool, which is less than the Eagles, which seems really strange to me, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I would have gone, I, I think, with the Chiefs, just based on the fact that they're just always seem to be there. Uh, and that range was only plus 325 to plus 350. All of the books listed on BetStamp had the Chiefs at 350. The only one that had him at 325 was BetMGM. So do not go to BetMGM to put this bet down. You can get better odds everywhere else. And all I can tell from looking at the ranges and the odds is you got to be a fool to bet on who will win next year's Super Bowl <laughs> the same day as this year's Super Bowl. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that it's too soon to start talking about it because it's never too soon to talk about the Super Bowl and never a bad idea to rely on BetStamp to shop the best lines for every bet, get the best numbers, get the best odds, get the best with BetStamp. Fellas, that's going to do it for our recap of Super Bowl 57 and our look ahead to Super Bowl 58. Why don't we take our first break? We're going to come back, head back to the land, and talk a bunch of big news in the last week for Cleveland sports. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. Let's get home, get back to the land, and let's start with our sip of wine and gold, our weekly Cavs recap. Cavs spent the week playing teams with mostly losing records, doling out wedgies and swirlies, knocking books out of losers' hands in the hallway between <laughs> classes, bullying their way to a perfect week. Cavs stormed the Capitol with a big win over the Wizards on Monday, came back and won a scheduled loss against the Pistons Wednesday, stayed up past everyone's bedtime to beat the shorthanded Pelicans Friday, and came back to Cleveland on no sleep, man, no sleep, to gut through a tough win over the Bulls. Cavs are 37-22, and 22, fourth in the East, only a game behind the 76ers for the third seed, and we're going to get to that. So, scale of one to five. One being... Vang Dalit Red from Vietnam, a strong concoction of apparently rotten fruit, which is exactly how it tastes, but worse. Five being the red blend from Thorn Creek Winery in Aurora. How would you rate the Cavs last week? 
First off, I appreciate the Seinfeld reference. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, with them on No Sleep, No Sleep. And I spent a lot of good times in Aurora Shores in grade school. I'm going to go all the way to five this week. Big week for the bigs on both ends of the floor. Dominated some of those games. And then win a game yesterday that you had no business winning. Uh, so overall, like you beat up on the teams you should, and you probably should have gone four or no. I don't care if they were shorthanded. Five, my first ever five for the Cavs. It's definitely a five this week. They won all the games that they had to play in a, in a weird schedule week too. Uh, you mentioned they scheduled a loss by sitting Garland and Mitchell in that uh, Detroit game and still won the game. Awesome. And then they, they won, like Chuck said, they won a game against the Bulls. That's a game that up to this point in the season, they would lose. It just, you saw it. Like they're playing like shit. They couldn't get anything going. And they, it's one of, you drop a game, right? And, and you wouldn't hate it if they went three and one, but they came back and, and completely shut them down in the fourth quarter to, to continue the winning streak and go four and oh in the week. So it's a five. Got to be our first unanimous five yeah. for the Cavs this season. I thought it was great. I thought those first three games, they played complete basketball at both ends. And yes, those are teams with losing records. Or yes, they're shorthanded because they're missing some people, but the Cavs did what good teams are supposed to do to bad teams or shorthanded teams. They dominated them on defense and on offense. And I agree, the, the game against Chicago, you could easily see that one slipping away. And we've seen a lot of those games where it's tight in the last seven minutes and the Cavs find a way to lose them. And they didn't let it happen. They just kept plugging along, executing just enough to hold on to the lead that they had and win that game. And considering they were doing it after a really tough scheduling of having to come back from New Orleans so late that night uh, and come back and play, I was really impressed all week long with the way that they played and, and really happy with the outcome of taking four in a row like that. Let's raise our glasses. Toast to your favorite cab of the week. Your options for this week, Jervan Moblin or Evett Alobli, however you want to go with it, combined the Cavs bigs averaged 41 points and 19 rebounds a game this week. Next one, the Cavs defense. Cavs held opponents to scores of 91, 85, 107, and 97 last week. Next one, Cavs point differential. The Cavs were plus 70 this week. That's a 17-point-a-game average differential. Currently, the Celtics are leading the league in point differential at 6.1. Uh, last one, J.B. Bickerstaff. He has not gotten great reviews from Cleveland fans this season. I will admit to at times having some frustrations for how he handles the rotations and the lineups, but I think he had the Cavs in the right mindset all week. And don't overlook the fact that this team now has the fifth best record in the entire NBA. Those are your options. Or, of course, pick one of your choosing. But who's getting your toast for your favorite cab of the week? Those are all excellent, excellent choices. I, I like all four of them. But because perhaps we've been hard on him up until this point, your argument swayed me. And I will I will raise my glass to, to J.B. Bickerstaff. Because of what you said, this is a week where you look at it on paper and you think, all right, get through this three and one, just because of the scheduling anomalies, right? Like it's ridiculous. Um, so just get through a three and one. And he kept this team focused and scoring and defending more importantly, they kept 
the, the defense was amazing. They had quarters where they held teams to 15 and 17 points multiple times through the week. So I'll give it to JB because I think maybe we give him too much blame when they, when they kind of hit a slide and we don't give them enough credit when they're winning. So now they're winning. We'll even that scale a little bit. I think JB had a good week of keeping this team focused. Did you say Jamobley? I don't, I don't remember how you mesh their names. Evett Mabrinsky. <laughs> Jervan <laughs> Moblin. Jervan uh, Moblin. I'm, I'm going to give it to Jervan Moblin. It was a big week for them. On Monday, they absolutely dominated in the paint. On Wednesday, they controlled the game on both ends, and that's a game outside of them. That offense looked pretty disjointed and again decimated on Friday. So we like when the team runs through the bigs, uh, and, and it doesn't happen that often, but you can see how just fantastic they were this week i'm not taking anything away from jb bickerstaff but he kind of said it earlier like they beat up on teams they're supposed to so i don't know how much of him had to do with it so those two guys what i see on the floor this week that's why i would give it to them can't go wrong with any of these i I love the jared allen evan mobley aggressiveness we saw this week where both of them started to look for their own shots when they got the ball and especially mobley man when that guy gets going he's a lot of fun to watch i think i'm going to go with a point differential just because I think that sums up really what they did well all week long. I think most of these games, I think the offense played really well. Every single game was a, was a defensive show. I mean, they were just fantastic. Defensive rebounding, blocking shots, steals, forcing 24-second violations. God, the defense was, was great uh, all week long. But good offense, good defense leads to big wins and a big point differential. So that's where I'm going to go with my toast for this week. Let's look ahead to next week. Cavs heading towards the All-Star break with a home game Monday night against the Spurs and a big game against the 76ers on Wednesday. When they get to the All-Star break at the end of this week, are the Cavs going to be the three seed or the four seed in the East? And just for your information, the 76ers play Houston on Monday before uh, the game against the Cavs. I'm going to say they're going to be tied with the 76ers at three at the end of all that. How about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a technically a three seed, right? Technically that's a three three or the four. I don't know. Well, they're not tied for four. They're tied for three. I don't even know if the math works out. If it's possible that they can both be the three seed and Phil sat right on that fence. So I think they both win on Monday. They're playing subpar teams and then, I think the Sixers win. It's a great run for this team, uh, and they've the Sixers are, are for real. So I think they're they're still the four seed, which is what they are now, right? Four seed by yeah, the end yeah. of the week. Going yeah. to the break. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think four sounds right. What I hope to see from that game against the 76ers on Wednesday is it looks like the Cavs are closer to them than maybe we thought at the beginning of the year. The, the Cavs really can play with the 76ers. And I have a feeling that cream of the crop in the East is probably the Celtics and the Bucks. And then there's a bit of a drop off to the 76ers and the Cavs. But I want the Cavs to be on an even playing field with the 76ers. So hopefully that's going to be a good game on Wednesday night heading into the All-Star break. But why don't we move on from the Cavs? Let's do a little winter gardening. Talk some Cleveland Guardians. Last week, the guards traded Will Benson to the Reds for Justin Boyd and a player to be named later. Benson was a former first-round pick. Boyd was drafted in 2022 in round CBB. Drafting in baseball is so stupid. (laughs) A quote from Boyd's scouting report, 
he has played all around the infield in the past. So scale of one to five, one being at first sight, five being five seconds later. How long did it take for Tito to fall in love with this guy? <laughs> what was it? Love at first sight? And what was five? Five seconds, five seconds later. Well, he plays every position in the infield, and I don't think just Tito would fall in love at first sight. The old organization would have rock-hard boners for it. So I'll, I'll put it at a five. I think you probably meant a one, but that's cool. I'll put it at a one. <laughs> that was a love at first sight. That was a, an extra, an extra, extra outfielder for a player that can play all infield positions. That's And he's an outfielder. Yeah, he's right. an outfielder oh, and an outfielder, he can play all, all infield positions. That is, that is love <laughs> at first sight on Tito's team for sure. So Will Benson was a first round pick not very long ago. Is this trade a big deal or do we not care going into this year? I liked what I saw out of Will Benson when he came up last year. He was a, you know, he's a good player, but he, he just, and this is funny to say, because I think at the beginning of last year, we were seeing the exact opposite. There's no spot for him in the outfield. Yeah, He's not going to get at bats. He's not going to get, we, we have three everyday players uh, ready to go in the outfield. And other guys that also got called up last year that performed just as well as Will Benson. So I don't know if it's a big deal. Hey, you know what? Tell me who that player to be named later is. Maybe that turns out to be something. <laughs> Name any player to be named later. I'm trying to think of anyone in any trade yeah. in the history yeah. of baseball i guess you don't like when you you trade a, a number one pick and he was probably i think that was like a top 20 pick seems to have 14 yeah, yeah 14 so like seems to have the frame to just be a massive power hitter but odd man out i guess if there's no room for him there's no room for him and it seems like we always trade with the red so maybe that player to be named later will be something of impact in 2034 I don't think it's as bad as it sounds in baseball. It's just not like the NFL or the NBA where your first-round picks are so important. Maybe it's not that big a deal. They gave him a shot. It didn't work out. It's time to move on, and I think they free up a 40-man roster spot that you can add him to that Boyd's so young he wasn't taking. So, all right, I don't think it's that big a deal. It's not something that is going to damper my excitement for the Cleveland Guardians season as we get closer to it with pitchers and catchers reporting Tuesday. But enough Guardians. Let's move on to 30 Shades of Brown, our 30-week preview for the Cleveland Browns. And last week, probably the most easily predicted event in Browns history occurred. Browns legend Joe Thomas is going into the Hall of Fame, as he should, on his very first ballot. What are your thoughts on Joe Thomas sliding into a gold jacket? Well, he's a lot smaller now than he was when he was playing, so I think it looks smoother sliding. That's <laughs> yeah, like a it. forty-two regular now. Right, so right. <laughs> <laughs> the only guy that was completely reliable for his whole career since the Browns rebirthed. I don't know if it's sad. I guess it's great. It's not sexy that it's a lineman who's the best player in the history of the Browns since they returned. But you kind of take it. You knew when they drafted him, he was going to be great. You knew when he played, he was going to be great. And then when he retired, like, man, maybe he has a few more years left in him. And if this team does turn it around, I, I don't feel bad for the guy because he had an unbelievable career, but you would want him almost to be a part of it. Uh, so super deserved. Just it's it's a tackle. It's not like super sexy. That, that, that This is what our hitch and our wagon do. So. Don't tell Mrs. Thomas that. True. Phil, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's a no doubter. Uh, Joe Thomas is one of the best tackles to ever play the game. I think there's something like 13 tackles and the pro football hall of fame total so he joins a pretty small group but you know the guy i i guess 
to sum up his career, I mean, he was dominant on just terrible teams. I mean, he played on a couple decent teams, but not, not many, maybe two years of his entire yeah. career were they actually decent. So you feel bad for him from that regard. And the, the guy's just, it's Joe Thomas. This is the guy that went fishing with his dad instead of going to, to New York for the draft. And he was going to be you know, the number one pick or the top in the top five. And, and he didn't care. And then he was loyal to an organization that come on, no one would have, no one would have faulted that guy for going somewhere else later in his career to anchor an offensive line and, and try to win a championship. And I, I think that the Browns even tried to make some trades for him. And he's like, I'll, I'll just keep playing here. He played every snap of his career until he got hurt. And then he never came back. So he's a throwback and well-deserved. I don't know. It's, it's kind of Brownsy that our best player in the last two decades is a left tackle. <laughs> Phil, you took almost word for word exactly what I was going to say. I think that Joe Thomas did things that you knew would endear him to Cleveland fans from the beginning. And that was going fishing on draft day instead of being there in New York. And then he played every snap. You know, for like a blue collar fan base, they love that. You know, he wasn't flashy. He wasn't a big mouth. He was consistent. And he went out when you still thought he had something in the tank. You know, you still thought that guy could play and you decided he just wasn't going to do it anymore. And he's stuck around. Like he absolutely is a Clevelander now, right? Yeah. And so that's a pretty cool thing, man. So congratulations to him getting to the Hall of Fame. Well-deserved. When we take our next break, we can go through some of the names I looked up to see who was the next best Browns player since 1999. <laughs> it's Phil Dawson's second. I'm going to jump through this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, we're we're going to get to it. We're not going to get to it. A kicker yeah. or a punter for sure. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I want to move on for maybe this wasn't Cleveland news, but I think it was. LeBron broke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record, passed him, I think, on Tuesday night to become the NBA's all-time leading scorer. LeBron now has 38,390 points and counting. Do you think there's any active player right now that has a shot of catching LeBron? Let's go through some of the numbers. The closest active player, active in quotes, Carmelo Anthony, just over 28,000 points, which say what you want about Carmelo Anthony. That's a shit ton of points. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Next one, Kevin Durant has just over... 26,000 according to basketball reference one of his nicknames is green room i have no idea uh, but he's 34 years old and has had some injuries younger guys Giannis is only 28 he's over 15,000 points jason tatum is only 24 years old he's got more than 9,000 points so far in five full seasons in this year but at that pace to get to 39,000, which is probably around where LeBron is going to finish, he'll be 44 years old. Uh, last one is Luka Doncic. Luka's only 23, but he's still 30,000 points behind LeBron. Do you think there's anybody that's playing right now that has any shot at catching LeBron James' scoring record? No way. The longevity of his career and, and for him to stay, not only beyond relatively healthy, but to still play at his advanced age for the NBA and score as many points and average as many points as he's doing with still that minute load. It's an anomaly, man. I don't think there's any way, like I'm surprised Curry isn't on that list. I said, if he could chuck up threes for another 15 years, maybe he has a shot, but he's older too. So I, I think that's he's 35 yeah. now. Yeah. 
Yeah, much like I guess people thought when Kareem hung him up, like that's an untouchable record. I think it's even more untouchable now for LeBron. I don't think anybody gets gets even sniffs it who's playing now. No way. No way. There is the perfect storm of everything Chuck just mentioned. LeBron James averaging nearly 30 points a game for 20 years is ridiculous. And he's never, ever suffered a long-lasting injury, which is unheard of in sports. Like, he just hasn't. He's a freak of nature physically and, and on the basketball floor. Kareem's record lasted 40 years. LeBron comes in and he's going to probably surpass 40,000 points. I mean, he's going to set yeah. this record at like. He, he plays for two more years, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Two more years. So I, I can't imagine anyone playing the game today comes close to that just because I don't trust that even a guy like if you take the youngest of the group, let's say Luca decides to just start jacking up threes for the rest of his career. He's going to have to play uninjured for 15 years. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. The problem with Luca also is, is that he tends to like show up to camp out of shape, which is something that LeBron James would never in a million years do, man. That's the thing is like LeBron's dedication to taking care of his body is ridiculous. And I don't know if any of these younger guys have that in them, but Luca seems to be, or maybe Tatum. Tatum's pretty awesome, but my gosh, man, like he's really going to have to pick up scoring. And like you said, stay a hundred percent healthy yeah. for another 15 years. Those are pretty big challenges, man. What we have seen from LeBron throughout his career is one of a kind, I think. Really, really impressive what he's been able to do. So congrats to LeBron on breaking that record. Pretty good week for Cleveland sports, but why don't we wrap it up here? We'll take our final break, and we're going to come back, head off the field, talk a little love. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment, and Valentine's Day is right around the corner. In fact, because the Super Bowl pushed back our recording times, Valentine's Day is technically tomorrow. So let's talk about love, baby. Stat line for love. Love is apparently the same feeling as being high on drugs. You can fall in love in less than four minutes. Statistically, 88% of people get married for love, making it the number one reason people marry. Only 9% of women and only 2% of men report finding a relationship in a bar, placing Jason Gerber in the top 2% of something for the first <laughs> time ever. <laughs> Herbert and Zelmyra Fisher hold the Guinness World Record for longest marriage, 86 years. Oy. By my math, Chuck and Whitney will catch the <laughs> Fishers in 2103. No. <laughs> Chuck will be a spry 125 years old at that time. <laughs> <laughs> all right so moving into our discussion of love why don't we start with one of my favorite things to do which is try to get you guys to answer an impossible question with a list that has to be too small best love song ever written maybe the most impossible list we've ever tried to do but here we go these are mine of course go ahead and add yours first one maybe i'm amazed by paul mccartney how deep is your love by the Bee Gees? <sighs> Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, Take My Breath Away, Berlin, number one ranked love song for naval aviators, <laughs> I'll Make Love to You, Boys to Men, you're both lying if you claim you didn't cue this one up during high school. Last one, 
Power of Love, Huey Lewis in the News. Oh, man. That's an impossible list of fantastic. And you didn't even put, like, I will always love you on there. You didn't put Whitney yeah. and uh, Dolly Parton's on. Mm-hmm. Low hanging fruit, buddy. No Celine Dion either. Yeah, I know. That's true. What, can you hit them again for me? Maybe I'm amazed. How deep is your love? Unchained melody. Take my breath away. I'll make Damn. love to you. Power of love. Fucking hell. I guess I'm going to go off personal preference. The Bee Gees, How Deep Is Your Love? It is whimsical and light and fun and killer harmony, even when they're in the falsetto. I never have ever gotten sick of that song. So I'm going to go with How Deep Is Your Love? I think you're on to something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to answer this question. <laughs> These are all great, great choices. I was leaning towards the Bee Gees as well, based on the same reason. It's my favorite on the list. Um, and we like to do remakes on this show and the dg's version of how deep is your love is just <laughs> oh, all as right good. yeah uh so i'll lean towards that because i like both versions i'm gonna go with maybe i'm amazed i really love that song uh i think that's a cool song i like the lyrics i think it it hits a tone of like really 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 being in love with a woman i'm going with paul mccartney maybe i'm amazed moving on who was the biggest crush you had that never went anywhere your unrequited love goat no idea biggest crush that never went anywhere oh um you know what i don't even know her full name that's how big of a crush this was when i was when i was pretty young like in grade school this is how young i was in grade school i had this ridiculous crush on a girl named Mackenzie. that's all i thought about all day long i think i was in like third grade like Mackenzie. wow yeah (laughs) and we were in third grade so i you know i just wanted to like play tag or something i don't know what we were doing um, but it never went anywhere. I'm going to go with Kelly Kapowski from Saved oh, wow. by the Bell. I was super in love with her, and that <laughs> never went anywhere. So There's still a uh, chance. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. No, there's not. You guys are both cowards bringing up grade school and, and fake TV characters. <laughs> Nikki Kellers was mine. Ooh. High school. I remember Nikki Kellers was. Yeah. yeah. Two years older than us. She was a cheerleader. She was blonde. She wore a leather jacket to school. So she was like, like tough and edgy. I was crazy about her and never, ever, ever had a chance in hell. There was no chance in hell. Anything was ever going to happen. She was like way too cool for me for sure. So that was mine. How about best romantic sports movie ever made? Bull Durham, Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon. For the love of the game, Kevin Costner and Kelly Preston, Tin Cup, Kevin Costner and Rene Russo, <laughs> Draft Day, Kevin Costner <laughs> and Jennifer Garner, <laughs> last one, Titanic, no Kevin Costner, but there was a lot of running and swimming at the end. So best romantic <laughs> yeah. sports movie, feel free to add your own if you want. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with draft day there's some parallels here kevin costner is obviously much older than jennifer gardner uh in that film and in my yeah. life i am far older than my wife uh but even in turmoil uh, with his family and his relationship he was able to pull off the greatest draft day trade uh and make everything right for our cleveland browns franchise so not only is it romantic uh it's fantasy that something worked out for our browns so my options are kevin costner or Everyone that goes down with his ship, <laughs> this is what's happening. All right, then I'm going to say Major League. I'm going to say Major League, Tom Berenger and Rene Russo. 
it's kind of a creepy relationship, to be honest, but you know, led to a lot of laughter. So I'll go with that. That's not a bad one. I guess I made my mistake looking up Kevin Costner movies and not <laughs> Rene Russo movies. movies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Oh, Rene Russo pops up in two of these. How about that? I'm going with Bull Durham. It is one of those movies that if I find it on TV, I'm always going to watch it. It's funny, good baseball movie, and the romantic stuff doesn't get in the way. Whereas I really feel like For the Love of the Game is a perfect movie if you cut out every scene Kelly Preston is in, and it's just <laughs> the baseball part of it. Like in that, in that movie, the romance gets in the way of the baseball, and I, I'm not interested in that. All right, let's do, let's do some more movies. Best romantic movies that I should not admit to liking as much as I do. Dirty Dancing is the first one. Patrick Swayze is tough. Andy dances. Notting Hill. Julia Roberts. Just a girl standing in front of a boy. Sweet Home Alabama. Guy wins back a girl with stuff he makes when lightning strikes a beach. Ten Things I Hate About You. Best Shakespeare cover ever. Uh, she's the one. One of the great early 2000 high school movies starring 30-year-olds. So which of these should I not admit to liking as much as I do? Because I actually love all of these movies i'm gonna say only because of personal preference out of all that list i don't like sweet home alabama i've never liked it i've given it multiple times because it's on constantly a few times a year I i've never been in that movie you should be ashamed uh, that you actually enjoy it <laughs> oh, wow that's <laughs> i feel like that's a little bit harsh man like i don't know if i should be ashamed i don't know i don't know why you don't like it i'm probably gonna make you watch it on the next trip phil how about you don't know what this says about me but i've only seen one movie in that entire list uh, and you should not be ashamed of the one movie I saw because it's Dirty Dancing. So I, you know, any of the other ones, throw a dart. You should be ashamed. There's there's three John Wick movies. You're wasting your time. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the one that I should I should admit the least to liking is probably Sweet Home Alabama. Although Notting Hill might be up there too. That's a pretty foolish movie. Um, but cool. yeah, I really like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it, but I shouldn't like it. Is what I'm movie. saying. It's like it's pretty foolish. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So back to real life. What is your love language? The things that you do to show your spouse or significant other on like a daily basis that, you know, to show them how much you love them. My love language, I think, is it's interesting because I've, I've had to dive into this more deeply recently in my life to kind of understand, like, what am what am I? What am I all about? Right. When it comes to love. And mine is open communication, transparency. Let's let's like, I love a good, just a good conversation. Like I, I need that. I need that communication more than anything. Touch. It's physical touch for me constantly. It doesn't matter where I'm at home out with my wife, my arms around her or holding her hand. It's like, like the old schooly kind of stuff. So yeah, I think mine's physical touch. I think mine is doing things. You know, like I try to make an effort to the days I know my wife is working late, you know, I'm running around the house, making sure the dishes are done, making sure laundry is done, making sure like, cause I know how much she likes to come home to like a clean house. It's just, she can't relax if it doesn't feel like it's, it's like cleaned and organized and stuff like that. When she takes trips, sometimes I'll try to figure out like a project that she's wanted done, try to knock it out while she's gone. So she comes home for it. I think it's just, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like doing things for her. That, that seems to be the way that I do it the most. Do you think falling in love is fate or is it simply a function of time, location, proximity, and alcohol? <laughs> I think it's fate, man. Uh, you intersect, 
usually uh, with someone when you least expect it. That's how it worked for me with, with my wife now, where I was older. I had come to the realization, like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If I never have the kids, it's okay. If a woman comes into my life, she's going to have to blow my socks off. I'm self-sufficient. And then it's spit in my face and like, oh, here's Whitney. So I think it's, I think it's fate yeah, and, and alcohol, mostly fate, but some alcohol. <laughs> so it's a, it's a function of fate and booze. All right. Yeah. I can... yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I, I never, I never thought I'd be the, the fate kind of guy, but I, I think I lean that way too, because I do think it's, I don't know, in my, in my life anyway, it is, it has happened. This is cliche, but it has happened when I wasn't looking for it necessarily. Right. Like it, it is something that, and, and maybe that's the best way for it to go because I, I had no barriers up. I was just being me and, and, and then it, it, it was there. So there's a bit of a, of a fate to it, I think. I'm a little like you, Phil. I think at some point in my life, I thought, no, this is just kind of a scientific thing. And it's just about like where you are at a certain time. And and then I met my wife at a bar and you guys have been to bars with me a lot. And so, you know, that I'm, <laughs> I'm not very, I'm not very good with women <laughs> in those settings. I'm not smooth. I don't have good lines. I'm mostly, especially at that age, like 21 to like 25, mostly just like a clown. And for one night, all of a sudden I was really smooth and I said everything the right way and every move like was perfect. Uh, and it has only happened once in my life. <laughs> and, um, and it happened with my wife. I don't believe there's luck to any of that. That, that was fate uh, that we met when we did. What is the nicest thing your spouse or significant ever? It's on, for me, it's, it's ongoing. The nicest thing she's done for me and continues to do is, is improve me while never trying to change who I am. Uh, most relationships oh, you have. That's really good. At, at some point, uh, that relationship goes in a different way because somebody tries to change parts about you that you like. My wife has never tried to do that. And she's always improved me in the big ones, physically, mentally, emotionally. That's the nicest thing. And, and the two kids are kind of the kicker, you know, like continuing the name and having a family. After the last couple of weeks, I'm not sure those really go up that high. On your <laughs> That's nice true, man. Right? Are you sure? Are you sure? How are you sleeping? <laughs> Bill, how about you? I've been really lucky in my history of significant others. And I've always dated or have been with really nice people. I really have. Like I ha I don't have that one person that I'm like, oh, God, they were terrible. Like that was just a terrible person. What was I doing? So I've been really lucky in that regard. I would say, and, and so the common theme there is they were all very good at leaning into things that gave me joy, be it baseball or you guys or, or those kind of things. Right. I, I've never once had resistance to the ridiculous amount of love that I share with you guys, never once from yeah. any, of, any of them. So that's probably the nicest overarching theme, you know, beyond that, it, some, some separators there. I think um, some of the nicest thing is, is kind of to piggyback what Chuck said, I, um, helping me become a better version of me, helping me be okay with it's okay to feel these feelings and be this kind of screwed up at times. And it's okay. That's absolutely okay. And supporting you nonetheless, like that's, that's a big deal. You're really lucky that you never had like yeah. the terrible one. I think I I've got like a handful of the terrible ones in my past. No names. <laughs> well, well done on you, buddy. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to, but I think the nicest thing Tammy does for me on a 
day-to-day basis and she's been doing it for years is she's just ridiculously supportive. A few years ago when I wanted to be Springsteen for Christmas, she got me a guitar and guitar lessons. Uh, it didn't work out because I got really small, pudgy, fat fingers and like just couldn't do it. And, but then I, I found this and, you know, the, the show has kind of turned our lives not upside down, but it certainly changed things. You know, Sunday used to be Sunday fun day for the Gerbers out all day at a bar or something like that, having a good time. And now because we do the show every Sunday night, like that doesn't happen anymore. And, you know, she really wanted to pay for a bunch of marketing for the show and it ended up not working out but like the thought was there like she really wants to support what we're doing and wants to support me doing this and man that's that really to me is like the biggest thing you can ask for in in a partner man is like just that kind of support for for the things that you want to do all right wrap this up your favorite love kevin love (laughs) courtney love horace beaver love british portrait painter in the 1800s or love ablish an Indian first-class cricketer. It's Kevin Love, without a doubt. The man played lockdown defense when it mattered most uh, on that championship team for ten uh, he seconds. Stayed when everybody else, yeah, yeah, stayed when everybody else split. He paid people during the pandemic at the arena who who, who weren't there for game days, uh, and is it is still here. And as much as maybe his game has eroded, and we thought there was a buyout or a trade coming. Uh, I'm glad this guy's still here. Uh, and one day when they raise that number into the rafters, he'll continue to be my favorite love. Yeah, on that list, it's it's Kevin Love. He um, He's one of the good guys, right? It, he, it's easy to root for that guy. It really is. We're jaded, so we want him to be better. But I mean, the guy has done so, so many good things on and off the, the court, even beyond just the Cleveland area. He just seems like a really, really good guy. And he has that platform and he uses it. So I, I'll give it to Kevin Love, but wasn't there a center fielder for John Carroll named B Love or something like that, Chuck? That that we uh, ahead of Brian Love, Brian yeah, Love, he was yeah. good Love, B Love. He was fun. <laughs> I, I remember hanging out with him. Yeah, when we were He's like a good dude. years in high school, yeah. uh, freshman in yeah. college, he was a good dude. Yeah, I'm with Kevin Love too. Although Horace Beaver Love was a master <laughs> with a brush, and you know, if you have a chance to check out his work from the 1800s, I would recommend it. But <laughs> Yeah, for sure, Kevin Love. That was a low-hanging fruit. Beaver Love should be my favorite love. You get what I'm saying? Jeez, Chuck. All right. Finally, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that during the NFL honors, Kelly Clarkson joked, it was a crazy season. Thankfully, the Browns restored order to the universe by doing a bunch of dumb Brown stuff. So that happened. With that news, that should offend us way more as comedians than as Browns fans. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. Other than that holding call, what is the storyline? What is the big storyline from this game? What is the thing that sums it up in its entirety? Um, shitty job of asking a question. And I don't know the right answer here, like because the question's already out of my brain because I just keep talking. But um... <laughs> were, were the Chiefs a better yeah. team or did the Eagles let it slip away? Herbert. <clears throat> Herbert. Dummy. Shut up. Herbert 
and <clears throat> Herbert and Zelmyra Fisher. Like I fucked up Herbert and I got Zelmyra. Yeah, Zelmyra's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Other has ever done for you. Whoever can come up with an answer, <laughs> something nice, <laughs> somebody they were dating or married to did for them. Uh, Please go ahead. I thought the guy who was signing the um, national anthem looked like a top care version of Bruce Springsteen. He looked like a generic <laughs> version of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> he was like the coolest sign language guy I've he ever was, seen. For sure, He was angry, though. He was like an angry signer. Yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> really throwing this national anthem at me, man. Uh, Stapleton killed it, though. Killed it. He sounded, oh, he yeah. sounded fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, he, he sounded was, really, really good. I, I was talking about it on the show uh my saying that whitney's version is undeniably the greatest of all time but i bet you stapleton's will be too like he he killed it yeah yeah, yeah. he was it was awesome it sounded great uh it wasn't like rushed at all it, it just yeah. sounded good what did you think about rihanna i you know what i, I thought it was a good halftime show it, it was one of those like she broke into songs that i'm like jay-z's gonna come out kanye's gonna come out no none of that yeah. happened like she yeah. did all those songs that they would have been on yeah. I don't know. It was like a bunch of floating stages, which was the most impressive part, right? Like they just had floating yeah. stages. It was fine. It was. Yeah. I thought visually it was great, but I was like, man, she's so lazy. Like it just looked like she's just lazy. And <laughs> well, the dancing does, was lazy, she, but yeah. Then pregnant? They, yes. Then they came out after and said she's pregnant. I was like, well, now I feel bad for calling her Wait, lazy. Yeah. She's, pregnant, yeah. she's pregnant again. Didn't she just mm. have a baby? Yeah. Like yeah. same time we had Charlie, I think. Good for them. Quick turnaround. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I, the the visual stuff was cool. Like the way they set yeah. that up, all the floating yes. stages. Like that the was floating stages cool. were incredible, man. Like that was, yeah. um, I, I was terrified for her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like, damn, she's really high up in the air, like yeah. singing. I, I was immediately like a little like taken aback. Like, oh gosh, is she pregnant? Like, is this a good idea to be this high up in the air when you're like, <laughs> you, like maybe like four or five stage. months yeah. <laughs> pregnant? Yep. I don't know her music any better than most of like than any better than I knew Taylor Swift before we started listening to her. So maybe if I listened to it more, I'd be into it. But it it didn't sound great to me. Mm-hmm. You know, Tammy's take was not a lot of energy. Yeah. So I said you seemed lazy. Yeah. 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 yeah I think that's but, I think lazy's right. Yeah. 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 And all it looked like gigantic tampons dancing sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And she was in red. Like that's a yeah. weird. Yeah. 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 Very, very menstrual. Um, some <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a bit much for like one person to carry the entire halftime show. You know yeah, what I'm I mean? Like no matter how good you are, yeah, yeah. Like you you have other people come out there. Jay-Z was even there. He could have got on for We Run the City. I mean, come on. <laughs> Somebody was on Twitter like a half an hour before the game saying that they had like saw Paul, Paul McCartney in the building. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, yeah. I can't believe like I couldn't find that bet anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I would have put 10 bucks down on plus five hundred for Paul McCartney to show up. What's the ro- most romantic thing you've ever done for a girl? Chuck? Oh, man. Take your time. We can cut all this. Uh, I'm really trying to think. I highly oh, recommend picking uh, something you right. did for your wife. 
I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of any of this. <laughs> um, no, I, I, mm. you want me to come back to you? Yeah, I'm gonna think You're about not it. Get much out of me. Yeah, I'm trying to. Th- <laughs> I'm trying to think, man. So you got nothing. The most romantic thing I've ever done. I, I, I mean, it all pales in in comparison to the things I've seen you do, Curb. So, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm not lying. I've never seen so many candles in a bedroom in my life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty impressive there were mirrors and everything it was crazy uh but hey good for you uh the most romantic thing i've ever done for a girl hmm. ah that's a hard one that's uh for fuck's sake you wrote us those like really heartfelt deep <laughs> sensitive letters for being the best men at your wedding and you can't, I you love- didn't do anything nice for a girl. You've, oh, I've done plenty of nice you've things. Ever, you've been plenty of nice things. The most romantic thing you've ever done was for I've us. I've never, <laughs> I've never written a love letter like I would write you guys. Like that's just that. That's the most romantic thing I've ever done. Should I skip this letter. question? Should I <laughs> skip this question? Yeah, yeah. Okay. What I what right, I learned from this question is I've got some room to grow. Yeah, and uh, you true. know, Man. I have my future's wide open here. Like you know what? Um, I I'm gonna. I started Googling best Browns since 1999 <laughs> oh, no. and I'm looking at lists that are recent, like within like the last, like three years, some of these were made and yes, no. Phil Dawson is on every one right behind Joe Thomas as he yeah. should be, I think. Yeah. Um, but then like the drop off is pretty steep. Like Dennis Northcutt still shows up on. Lists. Oh man. <laughs> Kellen, Kellen Winslow oh, shows up on lists. Who was like a center. Jeff for Fain Fain. Like center. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How about Josh Cribbs uh, though, man? That dude was like, yeah. Cribbs is on teams. It's, it's over, Thomas. Yeah. It's Thomas Dawson and Cribbs are the three most consistent ones. Yeah. And it's Two just after that. Special teams. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's like um, uh, Jameer Miller. Are kidding me? Dequel Jackson, Dequel? you know, for, yeah. Like oh, guys who man. were okay for a couple of years are on this list. God, I just couldn't just believe terrible. like um, that I saw Dennis Northcutt and yeah. Kellen Winslow more than <laughs> once. Like you got to be kidding me. So on the crawl on ESPN, uh, Derek Jeter is joining the Fox broadcast team. He's going to be partnered with A Rod on the on the. That doesn't seem uh, right, oh, right? Just, here we go. Oh, that God. story all over again. Yeah, God, <laughs> those guys like attention. Like Dolly likes attention. True. <laughs> Sick of her too. Sick of her too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still like Dolly. Uh, friend of show in the yeah. I've had to use Dolly stuff three times in the last two weeks, and it's not even like like she's pop culture, but in format, I'm talking about Dolly Parton, she has a new line of like cake mixes, like all like four different cake mixes, or she has a uh, she did a duet with Dion Warwick that she released, 
and wow. um, that on that Tom Brady movie soundtrack, <laughs> the eighty for Brady. That might be uh, the cake mixes. Damn. Oh, and then she partnered this one. I guess is kind of cool with a company called Vinyl Me. So like, you get sub- subscription based. So every month you get like a one of her albums on vinyl. But yeah, like <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm sick of talking about this broad. It's enough. Sorry, hey, pardon. Attention, hog. <laughs> what is she doing? Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Bad joke, right? It's just a terrible stupid joke. Bad yeah. joke. It's yeah. Like easy. It's yeah. Like, a, it's like the rivers exactly. on fire jokes that you yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. 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 If my brother's playing drums, let me know. <laughs> if, 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 right, going yeah, that if, far, like shit. If we Max need, Weinberg, we, yeah, we need we need a stand-in in, in Austin, Texas, and my brother's playing drums. Let me know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Hustle down there, get a ticket. All right, boys. All right, guys. All right, boys. Good time right. tonight, fellas. Yep. Have a love great night. night. All right, love you. Love yeah. you, fellas. Love you guys. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?